True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. Now, you're out there, you have acres and acres, hundreds of acres. All you have to do is water <laughs> okay. and mow, and they'll do the rest. Nope. Weed control, which you hate, fertilization, mm -hmm. aer aeration. Can't stand it. Among others. They'll do all that. So you can do literally anything else. Dana's out there like Yellowstone. You have better things to do in your free time. I know you do. You don't want to focus on lawn care. True green is too good to be true, mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. But it is true. Right, David? Because yeah. you're going to have more time to do yeah, things that you want to focus on. All the hard work and it gets yeah. you to a great lawn. That's what you want. You take care of everything else you got to do in your life. You're very busy. Let True Green take care of this one thing. Get it off your plate. You know what? I do have some space. I want to put some grass down. Some I, I might. This, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll call you later, talk, True Green. Talk to True Green. <laughs> Where can listeners mm -hmm. purchase or learn more? You go to TrueGreen.com. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. Whoa. They offer a satisfaction guaranteed, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. That is such a cool thing. Good job, True Green. You're nailing it. So Lovitz, John Lovitz is on the show and uh, Lovitz is an old buddy of ours and he's got a dog named Jerry and he's, goddamn Jerry is everywhere. Every time we go somewhere, you know, Jerry. Hello, Jerry. Yeah, he can never leave the house without Jerry. Jerry literally, you know, when I played Vegas, Jerry would, uh, with John, Jerry would just be behind the curtain just kind of waiting, you know? And then sometimes Jerry would wander out when John was doing stand-up. Crowd would go crazy. Dog. dog is, and I hate to say it, not that cute. I hate to say it. It's not that cute. Sometimes, you know, dogs are dogs. so ugly, they're cute because yeah. they don't know how bizarre looking they are. Yeah, I'll, it's a, I'll give it that. It's a toothy underbite, yeah. a tight little dog, uh, but but a sweet dog. I saw adorable. another dog walk by and goes, gross. And dogs aren't usually judgmental like that. <laughs> gross. Do I have any dog routines? Oh, dude, by the way, what about Nick Cannon with his kids? Nick Cannon Nick had Cannon. another kid. Another kid. And he's shameless. He's out... Doing a fucking gender reveal, I'm like, I would be like, eh, I got another kid. I like when dinner. anybody, Eastwood, anyone gets into that double digit kid thing from a different crazy. array of women throughout multiple decades. I'm getting I like, warm. I'm going to start I know flushing. it's boiling fucking hot. This is my new house. Dana's first time in it and uh, he likes it. He said, if you ever want to take a nice stroll with a girl, just take it out the hallway. <laughs> Oh, you say, let's go for a long walk. Do we have to leave the interior of the house? No, we're going for a five-miler. I got lost three times here in 20 minutes. I was just wandering upstairs, and I did rifle through some personal items. Oh, yeah. I rifled through your drawers. Is that is that the only time human beings use the word rifle? I think so. Other I than rifled, a real rifle, yes. Yeah, but I rifled through your drawers and saw some personal items. Yeah. You know... Dana, uh, we couldn't find you, and I turned on your Find My Phone, and that's how we found him. He was over in the East Wing. I like how I went my by own the life-size statue of yourself you made. The loincloth was a nice touch. Is it bronze? Anyway, David Spade I have is a, solid a legend. Gold dishwasher. All right, um, how many Instagram followers? Just throw it out there. Oh, uh, you know, it's sort of bombing now. I'm more on TikTok. Look me up. TikTok. 
TikTok? TikTok is so gross, but I'm on I'm it. too old. I don't know nothing about no TikTok. I like when there were free channels. How about my neighbors hate me and they just made a thing where they went to the city and made sure we couldn't, you had to have a parking permit and only in front of my house. Really? They fucked me. Yeah, what are the, well, I've been a neighbor for six weeks. I'm like, how much do you hate me within seconds to go to the city council? This guy's the worst. She's the one that said, he's giving my dog diarrhea. I'm like, are you sure it's me? <laughs> how the dog well, looks at you every day and goes, that's what you get for buying a house on Vendetta Place. <laughs> Pick a different address, cowboy. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> that kind of did. Look, John, John Lovitz. Can you do it? What's your best impression, John Lovitz? Everyone's got one because he's so impressive. He says, yeah. I made him say this word on, on uh, one of my Instagram stories. Balderdash. But he can say it so much better. He's got such a good voice. Balderdash. Yeah, it's a little Mae West, actually. Hello, ladies. We hear about John and Dana. We won't say, but we will ask about a movie you guys were both going to do. A well-known movie. Oh, I don't mind saying it. Bad Boys. I'm saying no. we're not going to say it. I don't, he makes John, why do they keep bringing it up? Why not? It's funny. Dude, I turned down Home Alone because I was 28 and I could really? read, I could play seven, but uh, Macaulay Culkin got it. I saw him at the final callbacks. So I go, oh, they're going way young. <laughs> I turned down Yoda, the original Star mm. Wars. I said, <laughs> no do much on your drive. No, because he did it that way. When you did it regular, like. Oh, not try, do. And then you saw Yoda go in and do that, and you go, oh, we're doing a weird voice. Let me go in again. Let me try it again. First comes fly on the wall. Then <laughs> comes money. Then <laughs> comes ladies. Money <laughs> in the bank. <laughs> yes, no? <laughs> try, do. Hey, Yoda, could you stop making these cryptic lists? Mm. First come pain. Mm. It's like Billy Bob Thornton and Sling Blade. I would, yeah, don't know about no Yoda. Mm. I would ask Yoda about Bitcoins back then and said, Yoda, fucking take care of your pal. What's the story with him? <laughs> and then tell me about the Death Star, whatever bullshit. So I st I'm starting a currency. I was going to ask you to join in. It's called okay, cryptic ahead. currency. <laughs> it's very sort of scary. Oh, okay. Cryptic I'm currency. In. All right, back to Lovitz. Back okay. to Lovitz. Speaking right, of John people Lovitz, uh, we'll let him tell you the story of his life because when you have Lovitz on, have a nice listen. <laughs> he used to say that uh, about having lunch with Lauren Michaels because <clears throat> Lauren's a brilliant talker. Um, John Lovitz, he hates this, is so naturally funny. I'm not naturally funny. It's the way it's uh, it's my acting and my writing. No, he's got a funny bone. Like there's people he's in comedy funny. just have a funny bone. And he is no matter what we say. Whenever no matter what we say, no matter, no, no, no matter what anybody says, no, he's says, funny. He's a good actor and all that stuff, but he just has a funny way about him, which is, you know, you can't teach that. I don't well, like. John, John uh, w loves to tease, and so if you if you just go and you're having a conversation with him, he'll start getting you defensive. You don't even Do -do. know it. What? What do you want? What? You didn't want to come to the lunch. You just came because you felt pressure. He'll just say that out of the blue. So then you go, no, I didn't. Then you start coming back at him. You yeah, know? last time I saw him, he has a Mustang. He goes, my car's blue. Jealous? <laughs> I go, I think I can get a blue car. Can you? I know. He was at the Knicks game in New York, and he was sitting on the court for the first time on his life. He go, my feet are on the wood. Jealous? Lauren said that to me. He, was, he said, someone said, I was the most naturally funny 
person on SNL. I said, you think I'm the most, the funniest person that ever did at SNL? He goes, no, naturally funny. John Lovitz, ladies and gentlemen. How are you? Now, how do I know you two? <laughs> uh, I met John at the beach house. Oh, that's right. You guys shared the beach house. No, Gervitz and Lovitz shared a beach house oh. on Malibu. And for people that don't know, that's where we'd go and jump in the water. I'd go with Chris, I think, and Farley. And then one time, and then that's Brad, right. Brad Pitt was there sometimes, right? That was exciting. So we're talking the 80s, Malibu, 90s? 90s. No, 90s, sorry. 90s, Malibu Beach House, which I went to. Yeah, the three of us have been friends for years, for those of you listening. And are still friends. That's where, that's where sweet Chris Farley, like I'm out on the uh, patio and, and then <laughs> I'm talking to John. Chris came out totally naked, but with suds all over him, like soap, like all no, suds. I told in. you that story. That was a, <laughs> that's a great story, Dana. Yeah, I saw it. So he must have done it more than once. I know, but it's funny. Hey, John, what about when uh, there was the Malibu yeah, fires? and Chris the- was at the beach. Yeah, I remember David. You called him and said, he, you go, where are you? He goes, I'm at the beach. He goes, it's nice, but it's really cloudy. And David goes, you idiot, those aren't clouds. There's a fire. It's smoke. <laughs> he it had was, no idea. It was like Tommy Boy, but in and real life. the hill life. across the street was on fire. Literally, the hill across the street. And then, and then it ended up happening. I don't even put this in your pockets, but the, five doors down, a house burnt down, and they rebuilt it. And that was the house, David, that you uh, Oh, that's bought. when I bought that burned oh, down okay. in that fire. Oh, my God. That house burned down in that fire, yeah. Wow. They rebuilt it. It was all wood, and they rebuilt it the same, but, like, I guess whatever it was, stucco or cement, I was never invited, even though I invited you to mine. Yeah. I just want to, you said something a minute ago, John, that made me laugh, but I don't know if it was just sort of an offhand comment of sincere, seriously calling your friend an idiot, kind of like the Three Stooges. Is it, is, no, you idiot. Those are clouds. Does any adult male just go, no, you idiot? No, you know, that's what like, David said to Farley. But did David really say, no, you idiot? I don't I think, think so. so. yeah. I mean, no, because that's how we would talk and that turned into- <laughs> It just sounds like the three stooges. No, you idiot. Do you really? You would call Chris, say that to Chris? That's funny. That's this. yeah, Chris said, he, David called me and said, it's cloudy, it's you idiot. Well, listen to me. Listen to me, you fool. <laughs> I will tell you, when I got to SNL, Lovitz was there and I was a fan and uh, and, I, and I knew Dana a little bit. I knew Kevin a little bit. And then Lovitz, I just seen on the show and we talked over, I think, where you have dinner, you know, in that little area. And uh, you were lighting the show, so we got a chance to talk, but you, you weren't usually lighting the show. <laughs> And, John was uh, lighting the show, <laughs> and uh, but he never was. But then we talk because I was I was saying I have to write now, and no one tells you how to write. You know, you just get a you know yellow pad and a wooden desk and a pen. And so I said I'll write you something, and you said yeah okay. And so I wrote you a sketch about a guy who's this mad scientist that turns into a pufferfish. So he uh, when he gets mad, he turns into a pufferfish, and and I wrote it, and then it was. Probably seventeen pages and five different sets, and then they. <laughs> I don't. I don't think Shoemaker put it in read through because I have no memory of that. It was. Yeah, I don't think we we did it, it because it was. It so sounds awful. funny. It sounds funny. I like it's the premise weird because I realized you know this is your guys' podcast, but the reality is you both look up to me because I was on the show before both of you. True. Mm-hmm. 
That actually is true. I remember seeing John in the 85 season, and he you immediately stood out to me. Your presence and your voice with Master Disguise, Master Disguise, sorry, Master, <laughs> Freudian slip. It's on, it's on, uh, it's on live streaming everywhere, kids. John did uh, Master Thespian and The Liar, and they were just so uh, potent characters and so different than anything that had been on the show. Don't you think, John? I mean, they were eccentric. Thank you. Well, I, you know what happened? I was in the Groundlings Theater and I did those characters. And then I, I never forget, I got Saturday Night Live, which I now people go to the Groundlings to try to get on SNL. I never thought I'd be on it in a million years. I just wanted to get in the, in the company and get seen and get work. And on the, um, on the ninth floor, you know, uh, w- was the, uh, the, up, the, the bleacher seats. So I was up there and and right at the entrance on the right was a glass case. And it had like John on a like a mannequin, John Belushi's B costume. And next to that was Eddie Murphy's Gumby costume with a life mask <laughs> of Eddie Murphy. And I remember looking at that and going, oh, my God, I go, I can't do what they did. You know, they were huge, you know, icons. I'm like, and I just thought, what am I going to do? And I go, well, I guess I'll just be funny the way I'm funny. and. Either it'll work or this is the end of the road. And it didn't work. Yeah. And it no, it didn't work. <laughs> um, no, I the puffer fish could have really put you, but actually I'll by the time right I back. by the time it I didn't got work, it exceeded anyone's expectations. John, you were huge from uh what were the big ones at that point? You already did a liar, right? When you came on, but when I first when I got the show, Dynamite it was a, a producer, and she goes, Here's who we think's gonna break out. On the show. And you weren't on the list. No. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> yeah. So Danny, you walked away when I got the show Dynamite. It was the British shows. John, here's what we think's going to break out. Joan Cusack, Robert Downey Jr., Terry Sweeney, Randy. <laughs> and someone else. So and she's I, telling she you. Didn't say my name. I go, you know, I'm on the show, right? <laughs> no, I was the last guy they expected. They didn't expect me to be the guy that broke out. And Dynamite was one of them. A producer on the show for several years. She's great. David, whether you have a few weeks old puppy or a senior who's seen multiple decades, any dog person like me knows the most valuable thing in the world is spending time with your pet. Yep. The farmer's dog makes it easy to keep them healthy, which can give you more quality years with your lovely dog. Yeah, well, I've heard Farmer's Dog makes and delivers fresh, healthy dog food. And, you know, that's what everyone's looking for. It's recommended by vets, nutritionally balanced. Uh, It's made from human-grade ingredients, safe, clean kitchens. All that stuff matters. Yeah. I mean, you love your dog. Why why get the lousy food for your dog? Farmer's Dog is the best. Traditional dry and wet dog food options are extremely processed. Sometimes dogs... much lower (laughs) quality. Yeah. (laughs) You, You put it in their bowl and they go... What is this kibble? And they knock it away. What is this canned goo? Oh, yeah. I've had our dog, yeah, look at the bowl yeah. and then kind of crank its neck up and look at me. And it was like, really? They go, really? Why don't you go first? You want a bite of this? Slop. <laughs> and it makes that sound. Here you go, dog. Mm-hmm. Like, so Farmer's Dog isn't just no. higher quality food. They also send the food pre-portioned specifically for your dog based on their unique nutritional needs. It makes it easy to help your dog reach and stay at their ideal weight, David. And which is one of the biggest indicators of a full, healthy life. A fresh diet has been found to have all sorts of benefits, David, from healthier coat Mm -hmm. and skin 
better breath, you want to kiss your dog, and even easier digestion and smaller and better poops. Let's look at a clip. It doesn't matter if your dog's young or old, it's always the right time to invest in their health for more happy years with your dog. Get 50% off your first box at farmersdog.com slash fly. Let the farmer's dog know we sent you. Use your code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box. But I, I want to go back to the growlings for a second because okay. we've talked about this on other podcasts. You, you have a, a way of making your voice incredibly loud, like really. So no, who else did, who else could have done master Thesmian? Cause that seems to be just, just coming from, I mean, it must've just, I was in college and uh, I had a Shakespeare professor, William Needles, who was a great, he was like the, 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 remember the movie professor chips where they all loved their professor. He was like that to all the students. And he was great to me. I like saw his improv group pins and needles. No. <laughs> Pins and needles. The coconut. Yes. He was in the Stratford Festival in Canada. He was like, he mentored people like uh, Maggie Smith, the great actress. Oh, she, she credits him. Anyway, so he came to Irvine to teach us, UC Irvine as a drama major to teach us Shakespeare. And he did it the first time he, I'd never heard it in person, at, really at all. And, and he said, now I'm going to do some Shakespeare for you. And then his voice completely changed. He went, oh, for the muse of fire that were to send the brightest heaven of invention. And I heard that. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? I never heard anything like it. And I could just somehow imitate him. Right, right. I liked actors with those booming voices like him and John Barrymore and uh, John Carradine, if you see him in the Ten Commandments. Oh, yeah. You hear his voice booming off the sound stage. It's so loud. And so I was just somehow able to do it. I don't know how. I think also for my father, he would yell a lot, and I picked it up from him. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> you know? It all goes back to all of our dads were a little crazy. Yeah. You got to have a crazy dad to be a comedian, basically. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. And uh, But I just love the, the Lawrence Olivier. Just I like that theater. It was Larry. real but bigger than life, but theatrical. That, that's what, it, you know, so... Like Peter O'Toole's like that, you know, he's real, but he's so dynamic and theatrical that it's it's thrilling, you know, for me. That's the kind of performance I like. Nicolas Cage would talk about well, that, Well, I'll too. give you an example of a performance like that in Modern Times that, Dana, you love, is uh, real but theatrical and bigger than life, and yet real was uh, Al Pacino as Scarface, right? What, what are you talking about, man? You don't know why you're talking about. Yeah, no, it was. It was operatic, and the whole right. film was operatic, and so it was very bigger than life. But the yeah. it's, I believe, unless I misheard this, that Al Pacino says that's his favorite role, even though some critics had an issue with it. But I, I think it's kind of brilliant. I've I actually think gotten to meet him, and I, I told him that how much you love it and you imitate it. And he well, goes, when oh, he's yeah, in he the goes, people, he goes, people come up to me with lines that aren't from that movie that aren't even like the catchphrase lines and he goes and they repeat them to me look at the little boris the boris gonna fly man say goodbye to the bad guy all of it is musical to me it's like the beatles yeah. or something yeah brilliant i met al pacino and, I, and he was talking about all my stuff so much i never even got around to scarface anyway go ahead oh i'm, look, <laughs> I'm looking for a very handsome cowboy man i've seen it he was also in once upon a time in hollywood which is another one of my current favorites 
Do do that line again. Is that for what he's talking about, Brad Pitt? Yeah, he's coming to the the bar. Gina, 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 the woman in the mystic light. I'm looking for a very handsome cowboy man. Yeah. I, I try. Yeah, let's face it, man. I'm a, I'm a goddamn ham spin. What that guy say to you? Says he wants me to go do some Italian westerns. <laughs> Don't cry in front of the Mexicans. I'm just quoting the movie. Is that Brad? That's a good Brad. Brad Pitt. Oh, yeah. My wife and I quote him all the time. It's a good plan. When he has to fire him, I'm sorry I'm going to have to let you go. I, I don't think I can afford to keep you. I think that's a good plan. I try. It's funny because you mentioned the beach house and all of us were friends. And 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 uh, uh, Cynthia Pett, Brad's manager, rented the house next door and Brad was always there. And It's fun to see, like, you know, know everybody. I remember Brad, uh, uh, Cynthia Pett, his manager, said, hey, can, I have a client. Can he say hi to you? He's a big fan. What's his name? Brad Pitt. I go, okay. And then I had to look at her. I go, what's his name again? She goes, Brad. I go, okay. hey, Brad. Hey. I didn't even know. No one had heard of him. <laughs> a week later, you had a tattoo of him. <laughs> I know I did. <laughs> no, but it's funny. It, it's fun that you, you know, you guys are known now, but I remember when David was, I remember the first time I saw David, Dana, um, you brought me to see him at a club and you said he's kind of a, he's really, he's really a, what would you say? He's funny. No, yeah, but you know, he's like he really, he really looks up to he, Dennis Miller and I. He kind of yeah, up we up. were kind of his mom and dad. And I remember I saw Dave, I saw you, David. And I was like, oh my god, he's a, he's a total mix of Denton. You didn't have. I don't think you'd found your voice yet. Yeah, that's true. Those guys I really liked, and I think at the beginning, you 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 are styles of the your people you like the most, and then. It just turns into its own. And then I knew because someone's Sandler goes, I saw this guy and he reminded me of you. I go, oh, he goes, he's biting a lot of your shit. I go, oh, I'm at the point where someone's doing it like me. I like that better. Nice. <laughs> yes. No, you guys were great. That's why. And we got, and SNL was, uh, we, oh, I had a question for you. You guys did, wait, no, I'll, I'll go back. We did Conan's together. That was one of the first movies, John. What did you do in Conan's? Because there's a million cameos. In Conan's? Yeah, were you in Coneheads? Yeah, I was the. Oh, yeah, I thought you said Conan Coneheads. I was the uh, uh, the dentist. Oh, that's right. When his mouth opens really big, and his opens huge. Oh, that's yeah. right. It goes like four feet. Yeah. Yeah, and I kind of, I kind of played it like my dad, <laughs> like a doctor. I played, it. and and then I made up a thing that I the, the the nurse in it. It wasn't in the script. I said, let's just pretend that we're like having a fight, but we're trying to cover it up. That's a good choice but for just an added actor. a lot to the scene right goes. <laughs> you know the, the director they got I think because he directed um the Take on Me video. And he did that needless it's like it's like black and white and it looks like uh you know someone sketched it and the guy jumps out of it. That was such a big video Steve Barron I think they got him to direct Conan's. I don't know if he's like a huge comedy director but he had me, you, Sandler. Farley was in it, yeah. Farley, Ellen DeGeneres, Sinbad, Phil. Um, every Oh, Drew Carey. Oh, and then a friend of mine was in it because um, uh, he's friends with Dan Aykroyd, Mitchell Bobro. And Mitchell was like, um, in, the, in the 60s, he was the world karate champion. He was one of the best taekwondo karate guy uh, of the 60s. He, like, he, he was better than Chuck Norris. And he was very close friends with Bruce Lee, but and I'm still friends with him. He's a really nice guy. He was in Coneheads, but working with Dan Aykroyd was the best because you know he used to be on the show. And I remember, well, Dan, I, I don't know if you remember David, but uh, uh, when 
Dan Eckwood came to the show to, and he did uh, Bob Dole. And one yes, I remember eggs. that. And then he took all of us out to dinner at the Hard Rock Cafe and he gave us these Hard Rock Cafe jackets. And we were all like dead broke. And I was sitting next to Jan Hooks and she goes, who is this guy? Because he was <laughs> just so nice and he treated us so great. And I love Dan. I got to play a oh, yeah. brother in a movie. My stepmother's an alien years late in 88, but he, yeah, when those guys came to the show, it was just so thrilling. Oh, it was so crazy when Dan Ackard walked around. How are you? Hi, you got, you're doing good stuff here. Yeah, you guys are doing a great and job. You know what? Do you guys remember this? Uh, to, just to paint a scene when you're on Saturday Night Live, just uh, weird things happen. Like one time I just walked into Lauren's office on the ninth floor and Mick Jagger was sitting there. Ooh. You know, it's like, oh, Mick Jagger. Or when there's a host... The host is down the on on the what floor eighth floor whatever it's the host is down there waiting and they're like Charlton Heston would like to meet you and you're kind of nervous like you're walking to meet this celebrity you've known your whole life it was interesting that right to me my my first yeah. year on the show Jerry Hall was hosting with Mick Jagger's girlfriend and she had an idea for a sketch and I didn't realize it was her way of getting back at Mick for lying to her. But it was with my liar character. So about 4.30 on Saturday, <laughs> Lawrence says, hey, John, uh, Mick Jagger's at the studio. Can you go downstairs and show him how to do the, your liar character? I go, okay. And I go down there and I meet him and I'm saying, well, anyway, I do this character. And in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, this is crazy. I'm explaining <laughs> Mick Jagger how I do this. Oh, my God, I'm older than him. I joke between a friend of mine and I, you know, Lisa. And, I know, it's and, surreal, and, right? And now I'm explaining the Mick Jagger <laughs> and he it, goes, yes, that's that's the ticket. I mean, could he do it? I mean, was it? Oh, well, yeah, we did it on the air. And, and <laughs> if you saw the sketch now, you'd go, you'd look at it and go, John, is that you or your son? Anyway, and I was so skinny. And then uh, Jerry Holler, <laughs> I in a bar and I'm hitting on her. And she mentions the Stones. She goes, oh, you know, Mick Jagger. I go, and oh, yeah, I go, we were in Vietnam together. Whitney Brown wrote the wrote the sketch. Whitney Brown. Then Mick comes in and then he goes, yeah, I know Tommy. And I go, yeah, we were fishing. And I go, big, little, big, you know, and we start lying. And, and um, about a year later, he she called up the show and invited Dennis Miller and I and Nora over to their house out of the blue. And we couldn't find Nora. So Dennis Miller and I went. You mean you didn't look for her? We're in their living room and Mick Jagger goes, oh, I, I know what that liar thing is now. I didn't then. And Dennis and I, they had a, a, a cross in their living room. There was a mirror above the couch where Mick and Jerry Hollerson and, and Dennis and I, our eyes caught in the mirror. And we, afterward, we went outside. I go, Dennis, were you thinking what I was thinking just now? I go, yeah. We both think a year and a half ago, we were like dead broke. And now we're sitting in Mick Jagger's living room in his house in New York. Stuff like I that. I know. You get, just to set the scene for people listening, it's just, you're, you're kind of usually... When you get cast on SNL, you're unknown. You're just fledgling. And then you're on live TV. And then you're meeting all these celebrities. Do you remember the night you, me, and Dennis went into the Columbus Cafe? Sitting in the back was Mick Jagger and David Bowie. We hung out with them for a while. And then Bowie wanted to hang Bowie out. Bowie so goes, you a- want to go dancing? And we're like, yeah. yeah. So we're hanging out with Bowie. And he showed us that move where you plant your we left foot and you do a spin. They're dancing with David Bowie. And that was, I'd been on the show like four months or something. It was like crazy. Yeah. Oh, just to set the scene for those of you, Dana isn't wearing any. Because people are. Okay, go ahead. I'm not doing a tubing. Beep. 
To be Tubin. Well, look, I noticed what Howard Stern interviews people. He kind of reorientates things because we get ahead of ourselves. So, David, did you have a favorite celebrity that your first, well, you went on, like, what was your first I remember host? coming on, I think the first, I did four shows before the summer. <laughs> it was Corbin Burnson, Al Baldwin, Dice Clay, and Candy Bergen. And oh, so you you were there. Oh, I remember okay. all them. Yeah, I yeah, remember totally. Alec Baldwin. All very nice. And uh, Alec Baldwin, that Monday meeting, you hear he's there. They go, everyone's going to meet the host. You really don't really know how it works. And I go cram in that room, and he's sitting there in a black turtleneck with black hair combed back and blue eyes. And I'm like, this guy's a fucking stud. <laughs> like some people, you go, and he's like, how's it going? And then you go. Oh, that's a movie star. I, they screen the movie for you. So I just see Hunt for October, sure. walk out, come to work. And then they're all, you know, he's right there. And Sharon Stone no, was, was a movie star. Some people, I, in my head, I thought, that's a star. And some people, I thought, it sounds mean, but I go, they got nothing. Like, I, I after read through, I'd go, <laughs> I, I go, it's kind of, you know what I mean? I go, it's kind of, the, they got in the right place, the right time. Nothing wrong with it, but... Just they got nothing. And here's a list of those people. No, I'm kidding. Well, I remember when, when we did the show in the first five years, you had to be a major, major movie star. And then once in a while, they'd have somebody from television, like Ted Danson hosted, but he was the number one show on air. Or yeah, or remember we had athletes, but they had to be like superstar with Wayne Gretzky and then Joe Montana and Walter Payton. Yeah. Um, you know, but you had to be. The gigantic. show goes in lulls. I mean, one of my years, one of my years, the host went from the first lead of like a TV show to like the second lead. You know what I mean? Sometimes they'd book people and I'm like, Dana and Mike are bigger stars than the host. Uh, you know, or Sandler. You know what I mean? You're going, this person coming in here, I, I think it's, we're missing the mark a little bit now. Because everyone was getting so big on the show, it was hard to be more famous than. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. Dana. I had to keep acting like humble and like, oh, I'm nothing. You're the big thing. I was starstruck. But I knew that next to me, he was just. Uh, John, was can, I, can, I inter- by my- <laughs> can I interject a memory? Because I think it was so funny. Back to Alec Baldwin being two things about Alec Baldwin. First time he hosted, he goes, I want to do this. I go, he goes, you think I want to be on a fucking submarine? Go, aye, aye, sir. Like he didn't want to be in those corporate movies. He wanted to be a sketch player. And then Victoria, because of his crazy blue eyes, and he was incredibly, is incredibly handsome, she goes, I'm not going to do it. Not this week. I'm not going to do it. I go, what? I'm not going to fall in love with him. Alex, not gonna fall. And then, and then by Friday, she go. I lost. I fell in love with him again. <laughs> if she sees the eyes, if he locks eyes with her, she falls in love. If he pays attention to you, one time he was doing a De Niro, and yeah. we were, I think it was for update, and we were behind the uh, stage, you know, live show, mm-hmm. and you know, people do this sometimes. Like he was getting pumped up, and then he dropped yeah. and did about fifteen push-ups right before, right before they came back because. He wanted to get a pump and go out there and look big. Yeah. I love it. I go, that's the shit I love to see. Yeah. That's something I, I would have maybe done. I don't know. I and then he became a great sketch player, you know, for, on that show. So he did it. He was great. Yeah. Sharon Stone had like a star thing, beautiful, stunning, comes in. Like basically the ginger music from Gilligan's Island start when she walks in. It's like, bah, 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 bah. we go, oh my God. And I just done Police Academy mm-hmm. 4 with her. And, uh, I had a. Did you? Do you guys have any? Sorry, did I interrupt that? <laughs> Just no. It was starting the bomb. Uh this is one of those things that. Tell me if you've had an experience like this. So Chris Everett was the host, and somehow 
I don't remember, but we had a scene where we I ju- we jump on a bed together and we kind of make out, <laughs> believe it or not. And so that happened and she came up and she was blushing and I didn't, we never really talked about it. It was nothing. It was just pretend, pretending. So I'm doing a stand-up date in Hawaii right before the pen, two years ago. I come out, it's, it's a big giant, there's like maybe 500 people out there at night. I'm coming out. She's in the front row and she goes, you made out with me on a bed. And it was 30 years later. <laughs> it's just and you weird. had her kicked out because she's a heckler? And then Victoria Jackson was there again. I'm not going to do it this week. I'm not going <laughs> to no, fall but, in love. You know, the host, they're there for a week, but it's such an intense experience that they, they never forget. Like they feel close to you years later. You know, they totally. never forget you. It's, it's, it's only a week. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash wall to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash wall. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What did I want to get off my chest recently? Well, it's probably something you got to get off your chest because we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We just keep things bottled up and then it starts to affect us negatively, David. Negatively. Yeah, it was something about when I was merging and the people weren't waving back to me and bothered me. But, you know, that th- mm-hmm. that's a small stress, but it can be bottled up and yep. get bigger. Therapy mm-hmm. is a safe space to get things off your chest uh, and how to yeah. figure out you know, you got to work through whatever's weighing you down. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And I, I was in therapy. I'm there here and there now, but for five years and you know, it does challenge your thoughts. Cause I'm going to, this is kind of, I don't know if this is profound, but you are your thoughts in some ways. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking redundant, negative things or sad things or whatever, a therapist can kind of get you out of that kind of negative pattern so Mm -hmm. be the best Mm -hmm. version of yourself um you know and sometimes it can be small things it can be major trauma i think either way Mm -hmm. it's good to talk to someone if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule just Mm -hmm. fill out a brief questionnaire get matched with a licensed therapist Switch therapist if uh, you're not into it yeah. anytime, yeah. no additional charge. Mm-hmm. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash F-O-T-W today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash F-O-T-W. Speaking yeah, of kissing, do you, do you remember Alex first? He got he got up for an Emmy for that first show, but remember Green Hilly? The sketch, I think it was Jack Handy, where he he's like in a sopra and they they look and then the music comes up and they and he starts kissing Jan, and then he goes over here and the music comes up and he starts kissing the maid, 
And then he looks over and there's like a puppet in the window. <laughs> he starts making out with the puppet. <laughs> uh, it's called Green Hill. Anyway, you guys, thanks for the deep dive. Um, I don't even know. I, I don't even know if you guys were there. It. You guys so, were in the break room. So, John, um, um, you get on the show. And who were the hosts that first season you were on? Oh, boy. That you remember? Oh, the, very, the very first host was Madonna. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> was Madonna. Madonna. And the... She was there. She was there for two weeks. Shut up! What do you mean? She came a week early, and so the first thing I ever did on the show was a short film that uh, I think George Meyer wrote it, and where I'm, we're in Central Park, and the, the scene. Well, she's supposed to be driving in the country, and she keeps hearing a sound in her from the under her uh, the hood of her car, and when she opens up her hood, I jump out and attack her. And that was the first thing I ever I did. And I remember <laughs> doing that. And, and, and uh, she was dating Sean Penn at the time. And he was watching. And I'm like, oh, God, he, he's not going to like this. Me jumping all over his girlfriend. And um, <laughs> but she was really nice. And, and uh, I ended up that's that, you know, I ended up I worked with her again, of course, in a league of their own. And uh, she worked her. She worked so hard. You know, people go, who's successful? I go, well, the two people, I, two of the most successful people I know are Madonna and Adam Sandler, and they also work harder. They just, that's all they do all day, every day. They just, out, you know, they're unbelievable. They just never stop. And um, she was the host. I remember Danny DeVito, and uh, that was fun. No, that was later. I mean, my first year. Oh, Paul Simon. I, I, I had a, I remember having a sketch with him and I met it's him in Lauren's, Lauren's best, best friend. And so we all got to see Paul at parties and get to know Paul yeah. Simon, which was really cool. He was very nice. Hey, Paul. And um, who I'm trying to think, God, there was, oh, oh, Terry Gar and Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. And, and I ended up becoming friends with both of them. Hey, did you, did you meet Tom Hanks there or on big? I'm, no, I met him on, no, I met him on, on when he hosted SNL. And he goes, we went, we went to uh, lunch. And then he goes, you want to lunch? Yes. We went. And he goes, and when I first met, he goes, I think you know my girlfriend. I go, who's your girlfriend? He goes, Rita Wilson. I go, oh, Rita. Of course I know Rita. And she was, mm -hmm. uh, she was friends with Ro uh, uh, Robin Schiff, who wrote Romeo and Michelle's the movie. Uh, yeah. And, 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 but yeah, and, and Robin was in the ground. I was friends with Robin in the groundlings. We were in the group together and she was friends with Rita. So I'd, I'd met Rita before Tom met her, you know? And I remember one time she came by, she's always really nice. I said, what are you doing? She goes, I got this movie with John Candy and Tom Hanks called volunteers. I'm going to go shoot it. I go, oh, that's so great. Is that where they met? Yeah. And, um, hmm. Is there anything? Who, Oh, so, but basically, I don't know. It was if people, 1985. You know. Hey, John, to set the scene for our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> You're still not wearing pants. Go on. John, I'm still not wearing pants. John gets on Saturday Night Live in one of a, a rebuilding year. Let's just put it that way. No, it, it was. was a, no, it was. It was the first. Yeah, but it was the first year that Lauren had come back after being away yes. for five years. And before you, it was Martin Short, Billy Crystal, Christopher Guest year right that was successful right. and then they brought in uh randy quaid and other people like that that were known movie well, yeah, stars randy and quaid then yeah uh, anthony michael hall he was 17 robert downey jr he was 20 terry Iron sweeney Man. very funny guy denitra vance god bless her soul great great john cusack uh, Dennis Miller and Nora Dunn. And, and so did, tell me what your mind, first of all, you're on the show. Did, did the show, uh, was it immediately a little shaky? 
I mean, when did they get a sense of like this wasn't gelling? No, that, it, that- no. Well, that, what happened was it, the cast did gel. That's the thing. You go, how can people that talented not gel? Well, we did. But mm-hmm. but it was a, after the third, like after the second show, I did the I did the liar character. My second show, there's 20 shows in this season. And then Robert Smigel, you know, who you all know, I was a writer in his mm-hmm. first year in the show. He said, John, this does triumph the insult dog. To set the scene for those of you listening. <laughs> for, for those of you listening, uh, Robert so Smigel is a friend said, of ours. Hey, this electrician that works at NBC was just in Lawrence's office. And he said that liar thing's the funniest thing I've seen in years. So Lauren goes, really? So then Lawrence said, we're going to do the liar again. Why don't you write it with A. Whitney Brown? And thank God, because I didn't know what to do with the character after that. So I always give Whitney 50% credit after that. We wrote it together and he really helped me expand the character. And I learned a lot about writing jokes from Whitney. It was great. From and, um, San Francisco. I did stand up with him for years. Yeah. yeah. And so we, we did it. But uh, this article came out, I remember, in TV Guide. And it was already our 11th show. And it goes, Saturday Night Dead. It's so good. And the guy was reviewing the first three shows. He wasn't mentioning the fact that the whole country, by this point, was imitating my liar character. And there had been a lot of sketches that were funny. And... Um, so it wasn't it wasn't a total disaster, but it got slammed so much. So the last show, I didn't know if I was coming back. I didn't know who was they. Well, they, well just tell people about the fire no, I thing. Am. I am. Yeah. So so the last show, they decided we'll just like make fun of ourselves. So Angelica Houston was the host, and then we had it was like special with special guest star Billy Martin, who was the manager of the Yankees, a really nice, mm-hmm. man, very soft spoken, but he was known as a real hothead. Uh, so anyway the sketch was that billy billy was mad that he wasn't in the show more so he set the studio on fire and so that was the sketch and so lauren is sending everybody into the room where the fire is then i come along goes no no john don't all the writers were there and he said put all the all your writers go into that room and then i went in he goes no john john wait downstairs for me in my limo i'm like oh all right and then at the end of the of the um show they rolled the credits and it had a question mark after everybody's name and everybody's like in a fire screaming and And i'm watching that live yeah and i remember terry sweeney the day before was like he didn't like the sketch and i go and i said terry it's not a real fire there's no it's a sketch it's not real and then i thought about it and i go well what if i was the one being sent into the fire you would have cried oh i get why you're upset but nobody knew who was coming back and then they said we want people that you work well with and i recommended Phil Hartman, Tim Stack, Lynn Stewart, and Tress McNeil from the Groundlings. And so they... they Did you recommend me or David? I didn't know either of you, but I do remember... (laughs) But still. Our manager, Bernie Brillstein and and Brad Gray, and when Phil and I met you, Dana, in the office, and we didn't know you, but we met you for the first time. And then when you left, Phil and I go, oh, we hope that guy gets the show. He's so nice. You're welcome. Yes, the the late, great Phil Hartman and you. uh, It was funny because I was... You know, I was in awe of the whole thing and I'm in New York and I'm just hanging out with you guys and you guys knew each other very well. So you guys would often do gangster voices back and forth, right? Hey, how you doing? Right? Yeah, we loved old movies from the 40s. Why for two cents? I said, yeah, what would you do for a nickel? Just cross that line. You wish I hadn't. You can see us doing that in his audition. She said to me, Dana, why do they always talk like that? Do they do other things? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I misremembered that. I remember that. you coming into my office and going, 
They go, you go, let's write something together. And I'm like, well, what do you do? And he goes, I'm, I'm going to hitch my wagon to a winner. Which is a... F- and I'm like, f- what are you talking about? <laughs> I think Handy wrote a sketch with Phil and Dana where Dana was a young punk. I could have played it. And uh, and then um, and you, you take a hostage and me and Matt Piedmont repeated it to this day where he goes, come on, Johnny, relax, Johnny. No one's going to hurt you, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Anything with Johnny. Don't be scared, Johnny. I got your best. <laughs> well, well, you finally yeah, did but- a sketch in black and white, a spoof at the front page. And I don't remember much about it, but we're all talking like the 40s. But I remember Dana, your language was, I ought to, why I ought to pound you. <laughs> that was in, Lauren thought that might be the next catchphrase. Because I used to do it in my stand-up in the 40s movies. Why I ought to pound you. So I wrote my part. I did it three times. And Lauren thought, maybe that's the next thing. We should do another pound you uh, sketch. <laughs> <laughs> pound you guy. David, did you have a catchphrase uh, when you came in or you, you developed catchphrases later? <laughs> Lauren goes, I got one for you. You're fired. And I go, oh, is that a catchphrase? <laughs> no, I meant, I'm sorry to say it funny. You're fired. <laughs> well, you add bye-bye, bye-bye later in the- Oh, bye-bye, you, you bye-bye. And then bye-bye. The, the only first thing I got that caught on was that receptionist going, and you are- And that was the first time I did a sketch that was like an attitude instead of just jokes. Like I would do jokes on update from my actor, jokes about going to a concert and then just jokes about when you're at a concert and how hard it is. Having a younger attitude of like, you know, I go to concerts and I drink. And then Conan was like, you should try to do a, a," I always tell him this, I don't know if he remembers, do more of a concept. I didn't even know what that meant for a script. He goes, it doesn't have to be just joke, joke. And then when I was, Patrick Swayze was the host and his handler was waiting by the writer's room on seventeen. And it was empty and he was in there. And, you know, you're, you're supposed to have access to the host. And I walk out and I start to go in to talk to him and she stops me and goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what, can I help you? And I go, oh, I just want to talk to Patrick. She goes, and you are? And I go, uh, I'm a writer. <laughs> and she goes, phrase. and this is regarding. And I go, <laughs> oh, I just want to write a sketch. She goes, hmm, it's really crazy right now. Maybe you can come back later. And I go, isn't he just sitting there reading People magazine? And then she goes, yeah, it's just really tricky right now. And so I walked away. And then when I went in LA, it happened to me again. And I go, you know what? That's There's something funny about that. I just don't know if it's a sketch or how to formulate. I think I went to Odenkirk or those guys and said, how do you help me put this together? And it was a five to one sketch with MC Hammer. And then the next time it was of opening sketch. I remember that because I'd been on a few years and I was really doing well on the show. So I would kind of tease the writers like because I had a part in that. Yeah, and you are. And I, in front of in front of MC Hammer, I said to a smuggler or somebody, go, well, what do you want? You want a big laugh here? You want an applause <laughs> break? What do, you, what do you need? And MC Hammer laughed so hard. <laughs> he loved the idea of me being that cocky. What do you want? You want a double laugh, a little laugh, then a big laugh, and then another applause break? Anyway, our guest today is John Lovitz. Now, John, can now, I? Wait, I want to say it's weird that you said Conan said to do that because the year before forever, they wouldn't let me do it. I had a sketch. It was the, my, all my characters are arrogant idiots. So it was the richest man in the world, but he's an idiot. And so, so he's like, of course well, I have, there's like a boardroom of, of guy in suits and they go, I go, well, I'm off to safari. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Right. I, and then Lauren's, and I kept trying to get along. goes, you can't do a whole sketch to say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. And then I snuck <laughs> Why it not? in and, and, and then I snuck it in and tales of revelry at the end. I did. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. And the whole room cheered. Then the next year, I see David going, bye bye. I'm like, hello. And then I see Conan going, John, he just wanted to say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. There was no character. No, it was Mr. Canby, the richest man in the world. 
And he was, and they goes, it was an, he was an idiot, but he just was lucky. So they go, where are you going? Because I'm going on safari. They go, what do we do while you're gone? I go, I don't know, buy Kit Kat. So I leave the room and then Phil and, and Whitney are talking about buy Kit Kat. What a moron. You go, yeah, buy a, buy Kit Kat, you know, and Phil hangs up the phone. No, Whitney goes, yeah, buy a, you know, a hundred shares of Kit Kat or something. And they're going, he's such an idiot. And then the phone rings and Phil goes, hello, what? You're kidding. What? Kit Kat just went up 300 million. Oh, I remember this sketch. And then, and then I come go, back go, in and, go, <laughs> and I come back in and go, hello, everybody. I forgot my wallet. And they go, <laughs> you go, Mr. Canton, Kit Kat just went up 300 million. I go, well, you see, buy what you love and you can't go wrong. And Lauren fell out laughing at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lauren's a great he investor. He wouldn't put it on. He wouldn't do it. And then you got bye-bye. Oh, it never got on because I thought it was funny. I could buy everybody. Could buy. It's like the thing, the thing, you do these nonsensical rhythms that make me laugh. One thing you do, so I've seen you in your stand-up, you go, hello, something like, what a night, what a town, what a volume, oh, yeah, what is this? Go, and then, you, and then you. at the end, you what go, town, have you seen the town? What a town, what a crowd. And have you seen the town? Yeah, see, that is so silly and doesn't even make sense, but it makes me laugh so hard. Have you seen the town? <laughs> it just makes... I like madness, but there you got bye-bye. You got goodbye for goodbye, and I had... I got to, got to, got to go with a funny... <laughs> yeah, I got to, got to, got funny, to. Funny little... Uh, Mr. Funny little poopy head. I got to, got to, got to go. That yeah, was my... Yeah, I'm going to say this. What was the point of that sketch, anyway? Well, I thought it might work. Jan, Jan, the late great Jan Hooks played Mrs. Funny Little Poopy Head. It was so I could get. I'm, a going, I'm a going with him. And I'm a going with him. I love that Lauren would read the stage direction in, in our read throughs. And so what I did in the stage direction, I had Lauren, I made Lauren say Funny Little Poopy Head like 300 times. Funny Little Poopy Head shits down. And no one knew, but I knew. You told me and I couldn't. I was crying laughing. Funny Little Poopy Head gets And it was up. just funny making fun of catchphrases on our show. I was making fun of catchphrases and Lauren knew what I was doing, you know, but yeah. He's yeah, but laughing. he didn't know about the... You funny little poopy, funny little poopy but Lauren yet. has this regal kind of uh, you know super uh, smart funny way of speaking so to make him say something so stupid anyway so John Lovitz it was one of the funniest things ever this is a two-parter this is for Dana and John oh god this isn't Dana's interview this is mine but go ahead for those of you who are just joining us uh, just to set the scene Dana's not wearing an underwear David Spade is drunk, and I'm... No one has combed their hair. I'm having sex with my dog. I think everyone... I think it was a very interesting story to hear, even if it's a short one, that the movie Bad Boys was for you guys with Will Smith and Martin <laughs> And it was... I think it's... I don't think that many people know that. I think it's unreal. Is that the year you did the American Express commercial on the Super Bowl? Was that uh, right it was a then? few years after that. We did that in like 89 or 90. John and I got offered an American Express commercial. And that was the first year they kept track of them. And our, ours, ours, I didn't even think it was that good, but it came out number one on the ad meter for some reason. For the Super Bowl, we were ranked number one. That was amazing. Yeah. And I remember we shot it in Miami. New York was so freezing. When we get to Miami, it was so warm. It was so nice. You're like, there's a movie here. Let's do Bad Boys. <laughs> and then the commercial was Amber Smith. The mo she became like a Sports Illustrated model, but she was like she's 15 gorgeous. Time and oh, she wasn't 15. Oh, forget, yeah. forget it. 
Uh, so wait, so that's but so they saw you two were funny together, and then Bruckheimer said maybe. Oh, yeah. do- well, they offered Dana the movie first, and then I don't know. I then they and then I got in. I don't. Then they yeah, I don't remember. In. It was it was John Dom Don Simpson and um, Jerry Bruckheimer just wanted to develop something with us, and um, that's it. It was developed, and I was just too busy. I didn't really, you know. There was so much stuff coming at me at that time, but uh, I'm glad that uh, Will Smith and uh, Martin Lawrence did it and had a great hit with it. <laughs> I love I everybody. They had five sequels. Five <laughs> sequels. I hit and made Will Smith the giant movie star, but hey. Yeah, that's true. Well, he also had Independence Day and others, and he has a new book out now. I that might was as well the plug first it. one. Yes. They always quit they plugging Will Smith. Bad boys. Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Yeah, John Lovitz and Dana. I don't know why they turned it down. <laughs> like, oh, God, fellas, let it go. Yeah, let it go. <laughs> 35 years ago. Okay, John, I have a movie question for you. You did A League of Their Own, obviously huge, huge. City Slickers, huge. Trapped in Paradise, you guys did pretty well. It was all right. I want to get back Oh, about how in the new SNL, like Kate McKinnon, I don't think has been on the show this year. And I think you're allowed to come and go as you please now. And you weren't allowed to do a movie. I wasn't allowed to leave to do a movie. No, I, I, want, I was supposed to do a liar it movie changed. my first year of the show. And then with Lauren and then it, it, whatever, it didn't happen. Everyone has a different story why, but it didn't happen. And it was very disappointing. So five years later, I was going to do um, A League of Their Own and um, this movie, Mom and Dad Save the World, over the summer and then back on SNL. And I was like, perfect, because I'll be on the show with movies. You know, you're trying to build a career. And it was <laughs> a an, double you know, whammy. Amazing thing. So anyway, Mom and Dad Save the World. Big didn't shoot that summer. And then Mom and Dad Save the World had to change their schedule. And so they said they couldn't work around me. So I wanted I would have had to miss the first two shows. And uh, and Lawrence said, no, you can't miss shows. It's not fair to the others. I go, the others? I go, they don't care. They'd be thrilled if I'm not here. They'd be like, more airtime for me. You know. Yeah, I haven't even met him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I go, well, it wasn't you. It was on the, you know, there's only eight of us. And then Mike came in the last year for four years, basically. And so anyway, I had a decision to make. And then I said, I'm going to leave then. And then Lauren called me. goes, no, no, John, I don't want you to leave. You're a very important part of the show. I go, well, Lauren, I don't want to leave. I go, I want, but this is opportunities. Now my contract's up. Start me in two weeks or start me or, or, or I'll, don't pay me. Add them on to, you know, the end of the contract or, I'll sign up for five more years. Just I like that you said you'd sign up for five, for another year or something. Yeah. No, they offered two more years. I mean, did Dana and I? You know, they uh, or, or oh no, Dana had another year, but they yeah, they were by the, it was the same pay, I think. But uh, but uh, and and so it was good, you know. But you know, in hindsight, I should have said to them, I should have had the producer Michael Phillips call Lauren and go, "Hey, can you you know work it?" And Lauren goes, "Well, the in his he goes, look, John Belushi and Ann Eckert, they would fly back and forth and do movies." And I said, I'm happy to do that. But they, they're saying no. And I go, since the other movie didn't happen, I go, can you like let me, you know, take this opportunity? It's coming around again, you know. And hmm. like, I don't know. He said no. So I left. And, and he was mad at me for years that I left. And then the next year, there was Mike Myers was doing writing Wayne's World. And Dana goes, oh, yeah, he just missed like 10 shows. I go, 10? Did he miss 10 shows? Really? And then, and then that. that year... Uh, that I, I I left, I would be in New York and Al Franken would call me and go, hey, you're in town. Can you be in a sketch? I go, okay. So I would do it. 
And then Dane, of course, would tease me. I don't know. I'm crazy. Maybe I just like being in front of 20 million people a week. I'm nuts like that. And then, and then, <laughs> and then, uh, and, and then I'd be on the show. And then, and, kill. and then one time Lauren says, "Oh, you could have missed shows." I go, "What? Let me miss shows. I'd have been here." Because Lauren said, "You can't miss them this year, but you can miss them the next year." I said, "But I have the movie now. Maybe I don't know." What's the difference? <laughs> but anyway, it, I understood from his point of view, like, hey, they, they're hiring you because of this show. Yeah. Right. So don't forget that. I, and I, I didn't think of that, to be honest. It's stupid. Well, things have changed. You know, it was it was the 90s. You weren't even supposed to really do commercials. That was considered a sellout. And I'm glad to see SNL cast members doing a lot of ads while they're on the show. I'm, I'm envious. And I also think it's great. No, we Dana, we did the Super Bowl commercial, and then the next year they we remember they hired Paul, uh, Paul Newman for American Express. He came in third, <laughs> so then they hired us back yeah. the next year, and we're at the, and we're at the writers' room. And Jim Downey, the head, he's making fun of me like, "Oh, you did that commercial." He goes, "What they pay you like you know hundred thousand dollars?" And I just looked at him. I go, "Try a house," <laughs> and they that got was kind of a, got a, really quiet. A classy one. We were dead but... broke when we got the show. You know what I mean? So any amount of money seemed like a ton. I remember my first year in the show, I saved my checks. I went to the bank to deposit $5,000 and I got nauseated because it felt like so much money because the most I ever had in my bank account in my life was $1,000 once in high school and once when I, I moved back home after college and saved my money. Mm -hmm. out. Now, 5000 seems like 4600 to me. All right, I'll let, I'll let Dana talk. Just to set the scene, I'm funny, David and Dana are. Well, let's talk about, I mean, we, we had stand-up, which is a baseline for your career in a way financially. You know, which it's I'm like being now. a- You can always go out and do stand-up, which is a great, great thing to have. But the truth is, you know, I, I, I've said to Lauren <laughs> a million times, you know, thank you for giving me the life I've always dreamed of. And I, I, I can't believe I was on the show. The whole time I was on Saturday Night Live, I couldn't say Saturday Night Live. I go, yeah, I'm on Saturday and I, I couldn't say live. I, I, I just, I never got over the fact that I was there and on it, but I loved it. And just talking about it, it's like, I'm right back on it. And every little detail pops in my, my head. Very intense experience. I think we're all very thankful that uh, everything really goes back to that. I mean, if you look at the percentages of the, uh, <laughs> I had a, a guy come look at my house to uh, like help, help me do it. And he goes, you have a lot of pictures of yourself. <laughs> pictures of yourself and i go well most of those are like old cool ones from snl like i'm doing promos and i've got the paper and i'm pointing at the camera and it's phil as clinton yeah, with mick jagger yeah i mean they're not on the outside of the house they're in my fucking you know office. <laughs> yeah but shingles you know it's like lauren in the background phil mick jagger and luke perry was a host and i'm just it looks like i'm directing because i got handed promos which they didn't realize was like a crummy job but you get to on Thursdays, go with the host and go with the music and you get to go down there and deal with them for promos. I'm like, Kurt Cobain, oh, your line is in green. You know, I get you get to talk to them and interact and it's yeah. kind of fun and you have to write little dumb promos. But those pictures are around and I I don't really get Saturday Night Live anymore. Like people are like, oh, I saw you on Saturday Night Live, but it's on Peacock now and they have reruns. So it's a huge part of everything, of course. You get so, people saying to you, I saw your Peacock? John, oh, uh-oh, and time. I just won $5. <laughs> to set the scene. Just to set the scene. Do you guys remember Luke Perry? Name I remember any pants. Luke Perry 
stood out to me among the 130 shows I did as, as one of the nicest, most approachable hosts. I just remember really liking him. And very famous at the time, huge. Very, very famous, but yeah. he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and he passed away, but I just remember him being just very approachable and really nice. Yeah, I'd met you know. him not on the show, but years later. Yeah, he, very nice guy, really nice. In fact, oh, you know what he did? I just remember this. I'd met him. Maybe I'd met him on the show. I wasn't on the show when he hosted, but I met him. And I said, um, you know, he's on, was it Melrose Place, right? No, no, Beverly Hills 90210. Mm -hmm. Beverly Hills 90210. He was like the biggest teen thing. So yeah. my niece was like 12 or 13. So I said, hey, uh, do you think I could bring my niece to the set to meet you? He goes, yeah, yeah, we'll set it up. I go, she'd be like so. Thrilled. And he did. And he did. And when I, she got there, she couldn't believe it. And then. They had sex. He goes, well, let's take a picture. And he sat her on his lap, you know, and then right when they took the picture, he kissed her on the cheek and she like turned red, you know, and she came home and she got on the phone. I could hear her screaming to her girlfriend. I can't buy Matt Lugberry. And, you know, it was, it was, it was really great for, he, he knew what it meant. And he was, a, yeah, it was sad that he passed away. He was a very nice guy. Looking to save on delivery? Dash Bash from DoorDash is your door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. DashPass is an exclusive membership with DoorDash that gets you unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders and members-only deals and discounts. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, grocery from across town, or anything in between, DashPass is the most affordable way to get everything you need delivered right to your door. With $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders, DashPass makes it easy to save at restaurants, grocery stores, and all your local favorites on DoorDash. DashPass pays for itself in two orders on average. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, all for $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. If you've ever been to the market for a new home, you know how home shopping can be, and that can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you actually do need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? Good question. What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Maybe it is. Why can't it? Guess what? It is. Now it is. On homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better, hold on. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listing and sales history. Wow. So, that sounds good. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information. All at your fingertips, homes.com. We've done your homework. Well, we're talking so much about me. Let's talk about you guys. Dana and David, what was your the favorite character of, of mine that you liked? I like when you were in bench warmers. I hear a lot about bench warmers. Do you, John? <laughs> yeah. Bench warmers is great. Bench warmers is just one of those movies that just made you feel good. It was just kind of fun, light vibe to it. Dana, what is it about me that you admire the most? Um, and then, David, you can go. 
Hmm. Mm, I don't know if anything do, comes do, to mind. Do, 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 I like I like when do, you uh, do, sing do, opera. Do, 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 do. Your uh, your funniness. Your we have a puppet. No, always oh, okay. Is that Yoda? So L- Lovitz, you have a great singing voice. And I think when you're on the show, singing yes. really helps. Dana yes. can sing "Chopping Broccoli." You can sing. That was Dana chopping broccoli. <laughs> Right, but you, John has a great singing voice, uh, like a big Thomas. voice. That's another one of your your attributes. But would you like me to sing for you now? Yes, Mm-mm. I know it's going to happen right now. <laughs> Jesus, you blew out! You blew out the Zoom. I mean, that oh my was God, like, the ratings <laughs> just spiked up. Everybody loves somebody sometimes. What was the uh, Tales of Ribble? Tales of Ribbledry. John Bowman and Christine Zander wrote it. That was one of those sketches that was. Uh, what does it mean? It was so well written. You, you, kinda, you had to raise your, yourself to the level of the sketch. A lot of sketches weren't funny. And, and Lauren would yell at me, goes, it's your job to make them funny. I said, well, I can't make a rose smell like shit. I had that line all prepared for him. And he goes, no, I go, I can't, I can't make shit smell like a rose. And he goes, that's you your a great job relationship with your, your boss. To be funny. <laughs> so I said, okay, so fine. So you're telling me, because because my first year on the show, I, I did this sketch. And, and Al Franken and Jim Downey, who I love, are, are giving, right before the sketch, are telling me to do two completely opposite things. Oh, listen to Downey. Two opposite Uh-oh. notes. And I'm like, what do I do? So Lauren said, <laughs> you know, fuck the writers. I, you're, I hired you to be funny. That's your job. I said, okay, so you're telling me if the writers tell me to do something a certain way and I think they're wrong and I don't think it's funny, I don't have to do it? He goes, right. I go, okay. So, so many times, like, Al, go do it like this. I'm like, nope. Jeez. I'm not having Lauren yell at me again. And, uh, and then I would do the sketch on air and then Al would run up and hug me. He go, that was so great. I go, wow, that's what I've been talking about all week. Can we just like... And and uh, that would happen over and over. <laughs> Do it this way. The Tales of Ribaldry, they wrote it so well that I, I had to really work that. You had to like raise yourself to the level of it. And then I did something on air, which I think I rarely did, which I know Dana did all the time. When you did I? George Bush was you just go, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to like riff on it and, and add little moments. And it's like you're improvising on air. So I, so when they would, I knew they'd be cutting back to me and in my head, I'm like, what am I going to do? So one time they cut back and I went, they're fighting and two, the, two women are fighting. And I went, wow, you know. Let me ask you guys a question. Did you do this thing when it's, it's a commercial break and everyone's running around, you're getting ready for a sketch uh, or a cold opening. So the audience is seeing you and your makeup, whatever you're wearing, you're going on the stage. I always tried to get them to understand that I was loose or try to signal some kind of something funny. Cause a lot of times when the cold opening starts, you hear a laugh right before it starts. And that's because it's like five seconds, Joe Disco, five seconds. And then you, if you signal to the audience that you're, you're being playful, it seems like it gives you a leg up. It definitely relaxes me a little bit. If you get a laugh before it starts, did you do that? Or like they go uh, five seconds, then you go, I'm not ready. Or you go, places everyone, then they laugh before they come onto the broadcast. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And then they laugh and they like you already. And then they're ready to go. I never, I never did that because I'm professional. Huh. And how? I don't need to get them laughing before the get starts. 
I know I'll be funny. Save it for the stage. Save it for air. We should explain what this is. This John and I teasing each other for years where it was just It's a thing that I would do for some reason. Conan does it every time I talk to him. It's yeah, like Dana, some, we did a sketch with, with Robert Wagner when he hosted. and we Where and, we did that. Where we yeah. did that with him. The, one of the funniest things in the show is, uh, an important part of the show was Dana and I, as you know, we would always talk about, we, in fact, it was Dana going, we got to talk. Right? He goes, we got to talk about you know, how, how competitive it is and we're friends, but we're competing against each other. And I go, I know. He goes, well, let's talk about it and get it in the open because we're make really it funny. close friends. And I go, you're right. You know? And I go, well, it's just the way it is. You know? So let's just be careful that it doesn't you know, harm our, our friendship because we're friends, but we're competing and that's just the way it is. But anyway, but it was funny. So at one time, one of the best hosts, everyone was so excited, was William Shatner. I remember Dana, yeah. Dennis Miller at Read Through, he'd always be kind of, you know, grumpy, you know, because he wasn't in a lot or whatever. <laughs> and he, I go, Dana, and he goes, why aren't I in any sketches? I go, Dennis, you got to hang out all night. You're not here. Like, hang out, participate on Tuesday night. When we write it, you'll get in more. But anyway, so, you know, he didn't have a lot to do at Read, at, at read Through. So he would just, you know, he'd be a little grumpy. So when <laughs> William Shatner hosted, I yeah. looked around, even Dennis, everybody had the biggest smile on their face and Dennis was beaming. And we're like, I remember I'm, I'm sitting next to, I, on my left is William Shatner and Dana's on my right. We're like, it's Kirk. You know, it's Star Trek. We were just thrilled. And, yeah. and I learned how to do the show from him. He made it, he made it look so easy. But also that show, Dana would come up to me, John, what? I'm in three sketches. That's where three. No, didn't I play three characters in the Star Trek restaurant scene? I did Khan. I played an ensign. I don't remember. I don't know, but you're going three. I'm in three. <laughs> I'm in three sketches. And William Shatner hosted the show. He made it look so easy. I go, how do you do that? He goes, just do it. And so, and, and one time, oh, the Star Trek sketch, I go, what are you doing? He goes, I'm trying to figure out how to play this, the, the, the scene. The part, I go, but you're how to play the part. You aren't you, Kirk? You forget no, he's an actor playing. But anyway, the next week I, I thought, all right, well, what are they? Because they would get you all riled up and tense every week. And did you do this? Did you do that? Constantly. So I just said, Well, what do they ask me to do? I walk in a door and then I, I stop behind the couch and then I say something. I go, so walk and talk. I simplified it to that. So I'd come in, walk in. Hey, you guys, want to get something to eat? Right. That was it. So I did the show that way without putting my any stress on myself and i thought for sure i wouldn't be funny and after the show i thought well i wasn't less funny and i wasn't more funny i was the same and i remember thinking what have i been putting myself through every week and after that the show it became very relaxed to do especially when i had like one line or two so i remember one time there's 10 of us in a line and mike myers is in front of me and i'm he's all tense because they're getting him and i'm like you know, as loose as pie. I just couldn't give a shit. And I, I tapped Mike on the shoulder. He's like, what? I go, Mike, what are you looking at me for? Pay attention to the scene. It's like, stop it. Just tease, teasing him. Yeah. Everyone we've talked about this yeah, is like, it like, takes, oh, it takes it's time. It's so easy. You just walk and go, hey, da, 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 you know. Well, I think you get confident and the audience discovers you and then you, you get playful and then they sense it and it builds on itself. You see it with cast members now. 
It usually takes a few seasons unless your name is Eddie Murphy or something, you know, had such confidence at 19. It's, that's that's <laughs> yeah, mysterious, me. mysterious to me how brilliant he was at 19. But most people would take two, three, four years of seasons to get really comfortable, you know. Anyway, I'm also- it took me I, one, I, the, well, I was nervous, but my first sketch, I was really nervous. And why wouldn't you be watching? And then I went, oh, wait. Oh, the, the West Coast isn't watching. That crosses like <laughs> So million. you're relaxed. <laughs> no, now well, I go, that's 10 million less. But now the whole country watches it at once. But during that show, uh, there was a sketch from Madonna and I were uh, uh, Prince Charles and, uh, and Diana. So you have cue cards, right? So anyway, we're doing the sketch on air. And, and she accidentally said my lines, you know, off the cue <laughs> card and said hers. So all of a sudden, I just, I went, oops. And all my experience kicked in from, you know, doing plays in high school and four years. So you took your pants off? I was doing 21 plays in the groundlings. And I, so I took her line and turned it around and then to my line. And, and all of a sudden I went, oh, and then, you know, the, the focus wasn't on me. It was on the sketch, David. And the rest is history. And the rest is history. I remember doing Toons is the Cat, where you're in the car and the cat's the driver. It was a Jack Handy sketch. And Victoria and I, again, Victoria, but she was so funny to me. Her, we have giant cue cards and she's not saying her line. So you have to kind of kick the person. I'm kind of like kicking her on <laughs> no one can see. Oh, oh, anyway. You're like, oh, am I up? You're like, you have two lines, get them. But she was incredibly charming and funny on, love when I was yeah, on love the show. Victoria. Yeah. By the way, so, I never told you this, Dana, but I was the, in Toons is the cat. I was You were the cat. the cat. You were? Mm-hmm. Jeez, the makeup thing, was extraordinary. Called acting. Yeah, you thought it was a puppet. All right, boy, gotta look at where the time's gone. I just wanted to give you a chance to. Uh, John became a stand-up, uh, uh, maybe twenty years ago now, eighteen years ago. So John Lovitz plays all over the country, and uh, he's out there with doing stand-up. He's a great stand-up. Very John? funny, obviously. Yes, I, I started where I would open host shows by. Uh, Kevin Nealon and and uh, and Victoria would do twenty yeah. minutes and uh, um, Norm Macdonald. Then I co and then I would open for Norm and then we co and then co-headline and then I, I started doing it. But I would I'd do that for remember you, mm -hmm. David and and you Dana and Dennis Miller did a show once. I hosted that. Yeah. And um, yeah, I love doing it. But Dana, I, yeah, I wouldn't. Dennis Miller is the first one. He goes, you should be a stand-up. I used to do Woody Allen and Lenny Bruce's routines in my dorm. And he brought me to Catch a Rising Star in like 85. And I just bombed. As I didn't know what I was doing. But Dana always said, you could do a stand-up. And Dana, you, you know, I always credit you. You saved me years uh, with your uh, tips on how to be a stand-up. So I, I, I owe you a big part of that stand-up career. I don't know. David, I don't know. Well, that's anything. very nice. I'm glad. But I, I, when I meet people David, who are funny. David, I owe a round of golf. It's only a matter of, <laughs> well, you bench warmers, you guys should have been starting varsity as far bench as Bench warmers is great. I love bench warmers. Absolutely. Number seven. <laughs> I like any movie where you talk <laughs> like Number that. seven. Quiet. So funny. Quiet is always But funny. you guys are great stand-up, so it's, it's an honor to be a part of that fraternity, but it's, it's, it's been a lot of a lifesaver, and I feel like it's, I always wanted to do it. I used to do Woody Allen and Lenny Bruce's routines in my dorm. Yeah. And right after college, I went to a workshop at the comedy store in eight in 79. And they go, they're not hiring standups for sitcoms. And I go, Oh, so I guess I'll skip that step. You know, 
but I started. It's just it's it's portable, and you can do it. You can take go away from it for a while, come back to it. I love it. Nice it's, it's, I love have. like Saturday Night Live writing and performing my own material, and, and that's what I love best about SNL. One of the th- and and the you guys, the people, the com- the comedians. <laughs> okay, David has a question or a summation. Just to set the scene, this is David and Dana's podcast, and David has made. As a You're listening to John Lovitz, David Spade, and Dana I think Farfley. my I mean, mic Dana is Carter. barely on, but I will say this. Uh, Dana, when I started, I don't know if this is with you, maybe it's still, stand-ups were looked down upon for acting and sitcoms and everything because they were thought of as selfish and couldn't interact with others. So on SNL, like Groundlings and all those people and Sketch Players, Second City, were a priority because they had more faith they could do sketches in with us. You've seen comics that get their own show or something. It just doesn't work. And then you hear the low, quiet whisper, they can't act. And that's brutal. So I think when I started, they're like, but Kenny. And the first audition I had, they said, I can't act. And I couldn't. I didn't know. But I had to go to two years of uh, intensive training. Where who? I have never heard you say that. Oh, really? You, you studied acting with who? Why do you think I'm so great at it? You are great at it, but who did Sandy, you study? Sandy Meisner? I was like, it was, I went to Roy London's class, but he was full. I think Brad was in there. I, maybe you were in there. Uh, I, and then oh, I, I went I to- I went to Ivana Chubbuck and she was- the late, great Roy London. Teaching for Roy as his understudy. And then I, and then she got huge in her own way because Roy passed away and then she was doing it. But- I took it. Schneider took it. I had, I had, a, uh, this is quickly, then I got to go, you guys. I can't do this all day. But I, I, I <laughs> this got. This is your, you're getting paid for Christ's sake. I'm not. I thought we were splitting this. You're getting a gift basket with fresh fruit, chocolates, and white wine. I don't have time for this. I'm doing it for free. You know how you tip the bottle. Anyway, David, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I think you did, but uh, I, <laughs> I did, um, I did, I came out and I thought I was like Eddie Murphy because you feel like you don't need lessons. I go, I thought it was naturally funny. And so I do auditions and, and then Lee Grant, you wouldn't know this, but she's a famous actress. She was a, she she's a director and she was doing a movie and she needed a kid to play 17. And she goes, you're 20. She saw me at the improv. She goes, you could play this in two seconds. It's the lead in a movie. And, and I'm just going to give it to you. Just come to the house, read a few lines, and, and I'll go in there with you. And, we'll, and we got our movie. And I was so excited. And I read, this, I read the scene with her. And I could see in her eyes. She goes, do it again. Just hang on. Just do it again. And I do it again. And she goes, oh, I can't use you. I was like, oh, my God, why? She goes, you're kind of just performing it. You're not really acting. You're just trying to get laughs. And I'm like, I know, but... And she's like, I can't. She goes, go take some classes because you'll be great, but you just got to work. And I go, but I'm still doing the movie, right? She's like, no, I can't. It was such <laughs> a heartbreak. No, but here's the thing she should have said when, when she said, I can't use you. And you're like, why? Because da 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 She goes, okay, you know the way you're talking to me right now? You go, yeah. She goes, read it like that. Don't perform. Read it like you just talked to me right now. That's what she should have said. And then you would have read it like that. She goes, okay. I know she didn't want to take time. So anyway, well, it did. That took two seconds. Doing stand up is your, you know. I remember uh, someone said that they said Jerry Seinfeld said it's a dialogue. It's not a monologue. Like people learn it like a monologue, like an actor in the beginning. And I thought, yeah, isn't that what you do? And he's like, no. It, it, and they said, no. He said it's a dialogue between you and the audience. 
And I thought, how could it be a dialogue? I'm the only one talking. And then I realized, oh, because it's like I'm talking to you guys now and you're listening going, uh-huh, uh-huh, it's that. So I go, instead of you're talking to honest, you're talking to one guy and whatever you react. It's not that complicated. People do it all the time. This is practice. Anyway, John, you've been a pleasure. I think, David, you're a very good actor, by the way. Especially in The Wrong Missy. Oh, yeah. Were you in The Wrong Missy or no? No, I was supposed to be, but you cast someone else. Oh. Uh, you were supposed to be in Just Shoot Me, remember? Yeah, another thing. Bad boys, just shoot me. <laughs> Home We've Alone. All, we, we all should have done stuff. Oh, yeah, Home Alone, too. Shit. Well, maybe. Oh. They wanted to meet with me really bad, and I go, oh, it's a kid's movie. I don't want to be second fiddle to some kid. <laughs> then it begins the biggest comedy oh in the gosh. history of motion pictures. So then I said, I'll meet on the second one. And they go, now the director, Chris Columbus says, no, you wouldn't meet on the first one. So he won't meet you now. I go, did I hurt his movie? Well, in fairness, a movie about a 10 year old, you just don't know if it's going to be funny. You just don't know. The script was funny, but I, I didn't think I could play the part because it was very reactive. Mm -hmm. and, of and a doofus? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not good at like. And that was Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci? Or yeah, they were the second the Daniel one? Stern part. I'm not good at like making faces. And, I have faith like, oh, you could play it too big. I don't I don't know what to do. I mean, I just did it now. but Well, it's a cartoon, basically, kind of. Well, there he is. All right. Bye. Coming up next, John Hamm. Nice. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. Production and engineering led by Greg Holtzman, Richard Cook, Serena Regan, and Chris Basil of Cadence 13. <laughs>